Welcome to The Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Banker This Week. Uh, Today, your editors are myself, Liz Lumley, and Kimberly Long. Hello, Kimberly. Hello. Everyone knows The Banker This Week is our weekly sit-down about what is happening now, what the industry is chatting about, and what bankers like you need to know. And all of these things influence current and future stories on thebanker.com. So this week, it's uh, Finnovate has come to uh, London, which is a global showcase of fintech demos and innovation uh, discussions running in London. So I thought we would have a chat. Our topic for today will be the state of fintech 2024, (laughs) since we are coming up uh, very close to the one-year anniversary of the uh, downfall of Silicon Valley Bank, which Mm. you can Uh, read about in my Digital Journeys blog out today. So 2024 sees us far from the depths of the pandemic. Uh, We have higher interest rates around the world. um, And we've seen kind of a move away from hockey stick growth uh, towards more profitability and sustainability, which which I I say is about time, personally. (laughs) Um, um, And it's an interesting time. What I'm writing about in my blog, I'm almost finished with it, that will be out today. (laughs) We do record this the day before. Um, Is that it feels like this is a new era for fintech. Mm. We went through this sort of fintech era, which started around 2013, 2014, where you saw um, looser regulatory requirements around the globe, le- led by the UK. Um, a lot of new emerging companies uh, pop up that were kind of unbundling the bank um, and slicing off different services to serve consumers um, and and enterprises themselves. And it felt like um, a very hopeful place <laughs> full of youth and enthusiasm. Um, and then, of course, the the big money came in and those those lofts in the East End in the chief part of town became um, very expensive and, and the world has changed now. So, I mean, how do you, I know you're an observer of fintech mm-hmm. uh, around the globe. How mm-hmm. does How does 2024 feel to you compared to 10 years ago? I mean, I think if you're looking at it from kind of the, the more specialized kind of like the bank to bank side things like that i think you can see there has been you know there's been real progress kind of within that decade that's mm. happened but i think if you look at it more on the consumer side and particularly in the uk like it's not really done much mm. <laughs> in a lot of ways um like I yeah but it hasn't it hasn't i mean you know there's a lot more stuff you do on your phone there's a lot more yeah but i feel like it's more of a migration of just online banking to onto your mobile banking like okay. i just feel like there's not been that kind of speed of progress and innovation mm. that we've definitely it's seen still the same elsewhere. banks we're dealing with yeah, yeah exactly and i mean what was it last week we, we had a little chat and this was there's this kind of tension between there is some levels that have really progressed and there's some that Mm. are just so stubbornly stuck in analog ways that Mm. actually it's something's got to give eventually yeah i mean the the u.s is is famously behind Mm. the the rest of the world i mean um i i i received a, a covid um a check from the U.S. government a few years ago. Yeah, and it, it was a check in the mm-hmm, mail mm-hmm. that I had to take to my bank and say, "Can you do something with this? <laughs> please, please, please help me." Um, but it's interesting. I I often feel I, it's a hill I will I, a hill I will die on. I think kind of this modern age, this era of fintech, started in London mm. um, for a lot of reasons, and London is still very much 
I think, a, a global hub for fintech. That said, I think Singapore is a very, very close um, mm. close cousin, close uh, sister, brother, right right up there in the global hubs for fintech um, and, and Asia in general. So, I mean, uh, since you cover Asia uh, uh, very well, I mean, what do you what do you think about London being the hub for fintech? Do you think other other regions are? Uh, yeah, I mean, better? it's it's it is a hub. But I mean, I think, yeah, like you say, I think when you look back to things like faster payments and when that came in and that when was that? That was a long Oh, 15 years ago? 20 yeah, years ago? I was like, I was yeah. definitely still in school and that's a long time ago. <laughs> but like, that was kind of, that was incredible. You didn't celebrate it at school? Didn't like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have done. Um, but, you know, I kind of remember that happening and it being such a huge innovation at the time. But then, you know, that's not really, there's not been anything kind of comparative, I think, to, mm-hmm. to push it forward. And, you know, I think it's interesting kind of that idea of it's like, is if you have London as a global fintech hub, sure. But like the global fintech hub is a bit of a, a bit of a stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I just look at that when I think about, you know, just China is the obvious one to mm. always mention, like what is happening there, how things are done there, especially on the consumer side. But then also when you look at the, the regulator, I think that's what really is a differentiator for a lot of the markets in Asia. So if you look at, as you mentioned, Singapore Monetary Authority of Singapore, they're not just saying, oh yeah, you know, we're going to create a sandbox, we're going to be supportive. They're mm. actively saying, here's a, a proof of concept, here's something we've come up with. Now you banks go off and make a way for this to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it's that level of information, that push that I just don't feel like you see mm. in the West at all. Yeah. Um, and you know, got here, like there was things like they collaborated with DBS on generative AI. There was Project Orchid for the development of the purpose, purpose-bound money for interoperable digital currencies. You know, things like that are just just so far beyond kind of what I think the UK regulator is mm. even, even close to coming to. And it's um, it's a lesson I think that a lot of a lot of regulators can learn if they really want their their region or their country to become a real really at the forefront of these things, they need to start kind of pushing and mandating and allowing these experiments to happen because that's where they need to be. They need to be that built-in ability to fail as well. Mm. So they need to just be a bit braver, I think. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point about um, the government's role in this and a regulator's role in this. I mean, Mm. the the U.S. is kind of traditionally very culturally um, anti-regulation and and they are kind of behind in a lot of, you know, infrastructure-led fintech innovations mm. and um, the way the payment systems works over here. I mean, in this country, uh, fintech was really pushed to the forefront during that period around 2013, 2014, during David Cameron's government, mm. during um, uh, 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 George Osborne when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer. We're now at a point where most likely our government will, the UK government will change mm-hmm. at the end, end of this um, end of this year during the general election that the UK, one of many countries around the world having a general election. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that um, the, uh, the opposition party, the Labour Party here in the UK put out a statement a few weeks ago where they, they mentioned fintech mm. as something that they're, so they're almost preparing mm. maybe to, to bring this back into focus mm. in this this new era uh, for fintech in the UK. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Yeah, I think it's certainly it's the realization that it's not just if you don't move, you'll be left behind. Like we already are being left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to have this focus, if you want to make sure that you're keeping talent in the UK as well, 
mm-hmm. because there are going to be some very smart people who are going to say, oh, actually, I can do that job somewhere else and get paid a lot more for it. Let's up sticks and go to Singapore or something. So, yeah. <laughs> or if you work at a bank, go to New York and work on Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. So I mentioned before that the Finnovate, the global um, uh, fintech uh, showcase, is in London this week. And it is at um, it is at the um, the O2. It's, near, it's a hotel near the O2, which for any of you who know London, that is in North Greenwich, and it is ever so easy to get to. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> it's not that easy to get to. Um, it's the the old Millennium Dome, the, the O2 Stadium, which I once saw Duran Duran at. Mm, nice. Yeah, very, very good. But what I found, and this is just, it makes me, I'm sorry if I'm being deliberately awkward, but this makes me really, really angry um, because t- today is the demo day and tomorrow is more of a traditional events with uh, with different panels and presentations on, you know, payments and personalization and AI and all the stuff that you expect to see at a fintech conference. And they are running a women in fintech session. Oh, yes, mm. they are, which is titled, How Can We All Make Sure We Are Moving the Needle? This is going to happen at 8.15 a.m. in the morning. I will not be there. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping the five people that attend this panel, at least it's in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure it would be. It might be in some. This is during streams. I don't know if it's during streams. This is. I don't understand. I know International Women's Day is approaching soon. Mm-hmm. Was it March eighth? March. Sorry. Anyway, I am so flippin' angry when this. <laughs> When they put up stuff like, how can we make sure we're moving the needle? And they have this 6.30 in the morning. I don't know. No, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If you really care about diversity and fintech, Mm. you know, have it at 11.30 in the morning. Have it so, like, there are people in the room. Um, Anyway, it just, this is just a token. This is just, and it just... Yeah, I mean, like for starters, team, I just, I don't want to have to be anywhere at that time of the month, like realistically, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I can happily work from home, but if you want to make me physically be somewhere for something like that, it's crazy. And also, you know, I live geographically not that far from there, but I did actually work it out and it's like, let's go up and Google Maps. And I would have to leave at like 7.15 to get there at that time. Yeah. It's like, no. And then like another thing I kind of noticed with this, and I feel like, you know, I don't want to be at risk of stereotyping, but like... 8.15 a.m. seems to be prime getting kids getting to kids school, to school, school time. time. Yes. Um, you know, and as, as someone who doesn't have children, that's no concern <laughs> for me. But, you know, it's things like that. It's like not not stereotyping yeah. and saying, yeah, oh, but, women get the kids to school. But, but the like majority of women do. in reality. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. saying this is a, a time when that is what's happening. You yeah. Know? And as I say, I mean, if I had, you know, if someone, you know, to get there at that time, you would have to leave probably 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that, if you've got a five-year-old, well, okay, great. So you're going to send them off to play group at, what, 6 a.m. in the morning or something? You know, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, for me to get there, I'd have to leave at 6.30 in the morning Yeah, for me to get there. Um, yeah, so Finnovate do better, and all events do better, because yeah. this is just getting ridiculous. Yeah, because and I think as well, there's things about, like, having women, supporting women. You know, there's always that need for, regardless of anything, you need the other people who aren't in that demographic yeah. to be in the room. Yeah. So actually do it at a really prime time because then the men will arrive as well, you know? Mm. And that's the important thing. If you just keep saying it just becomes an echo chamber of a lot of women saying, yeah, this is what we need to do. But if there aren't actually men there who can say, oh, actually, that's a really good idea. Let's do this. Mm. 
it, things aren't going to progress as fast. Yeah. And it, it's a big, it, there's a big thing, I think, about hearing stories from people. This isn't just about women. Hearing stories from people that are experiencing the same environment in a very different way, right? And and things pop up that you, it, I, don't, I don't like to call it unconscious bias, but it's more stuff that, that you just don't think about, right? So one of the best diversity sessions I saw was a few years ago, and there was a guy on, uh, and he was on the autism spectrum. And he said, our company did hot desking. And then the manager had this bright idea about you have to change your desk every three days so that you meet people in the company. And he said, first of all, I need to have my headphones on in a quiet space in the same desk every day because that's how my brain works. And, of course, since I'm autistic, I'm going to follow that rule while other people will be like, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll think about, I'll, I'll move if I feel like it. And so this, this policy that you can see was probably done in, um, you know, to, to make things better, to have people, you know, work together better and, and meet other people on your team, ended up having horrible consequences for someone just because they're experiencing that same environment very differently from you. And I think that's where these panels have value in showing the people that aren't in the room and are in that context. These are the stories that happen. And, you know, and you see a lot more of the, the women's stories first, but then like the whole range. So you just, yeah. So eight fifteen in the morning. <laughs> in summary. Oh, my God. Anyway, so moving on, we're going to stay with women. So this is a big Ann Bowden week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ann Bowden, uh, uh, founder of Starling Bank. So last night she launched her new book, which is a Female Founders Playbook, Insights from the Superwomen Who Made It. She's also launching a report um, at the end of this week on Thursday at uh, Slaughter in May in London, which is looking at um, leading uh, entrepreneurs uh, in insights into high growth businesses. Um, but uh, some of my friends who who went to it said it's basically a uh, easy to follow guide um, for how to how to launch a company from mm-hmm. how to get funding, how to come up with an idea, how to uh, network and build teams and mm-hmm. fundraise. Um, and um, you know this is a world where two p of every one pound of equity investment goes to all female founding teams. So mm. she had a big do last night, which we were not invited to. <laughs> That's right. I saw the pictures on LinkedIn. <laughs> I forgive you. Um, and, and signed books. But uh, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see. I mean, uh, we haven't seen the book yet. I know mm. you went down to the library to see if you could find it. But... Well, I, I went to the friendly. Um, shout off to the FT Weekend team who have a book supply. And um, because I'm making friends with them, I can sometimes pick up some things that are in the review pile um, and it was not there unfortunately so um, yeah and if you do want to send us a copy we'd be more than happy to yes exactly <laughs> but um, so since why, why don't we take a guess on what will be in it because I know that you talk to a lot of women yeah. founders in fintech what do, what do you think some of the stories are uh, in the book yeah I mean I think it's interesting you're kind of given that that overview of it because that was my feeling would be kind of like this almost like how-to guide and you know and then you talked around kind of networking and that's a really interesting thing because that's something that I want to give a shout out now to my friend Lisa um she always talks about how we aren't taught in the same way the importance of networking mm. and I think that's a really important subject and I kind of thought about the idea of team building as well because I think maybe that's something that I don't know, maybe I just feel like women don't have the same kind of force on them 
in the way that men do about the importance of like creating that network and you know you don't have to be friends with everybody but mm. if you know someone who's in that role you you keep an eye on them because they might be a good person to have one day these are the kind of things that i think maybe would be helpful in understanding you know and how to delegate and how to mm. build out a team because I feel like women sometimes just say, oh, I'll just do it all myself. And it, yeah. you, know, you can't do that if you're trying to build up a company from the ground. So they're, they're the kind of things that I think would be interesting to see. You know, it's it's almost the soft skills sometimes as well mm. that are the important things that need to be explored. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So that that's it. That's, uh, that's our take on the state of fintech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so join us next week. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to The Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at The Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on The Banker Podcasts to listen to more.